Good afternoon. I am Pastor Neil Wemus. This is a special sermon recording of that. It's going to be a special edition of my sermon for Pentecost Sunday, which will only exist on the internet. And the reason is, is I'm going to heavily make use of the TV series, The Walking Dead. If I were to do a sermon like this in the on a regular church service, it I'd lose a whole number of our congregations. So this is kind of a Walking Dead version. Now bear with me. Uh, you'll just wait, and we'll come around to that. But as I'm going to record this, um, I will record tomorrow. I mean, when I for the weekend, I will record the regular sermon as well. But uh, you're, you're going to hear a couple hymns, uh, mostly from high. Actually, all of them are from Higher Things uh, YouTube videos. So uh, to begin, I'm going to read the first of two pertinent scripture readings to this message. Uh, the first one is taken from Acts chapter 2, and it says, When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place, and suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting, and divided tongues as a fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, each one was hearing, were Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. And at this sound the multitude came together and they were bewildered, because each one was hearing them speak in his own language. And they were amazed and astonished, saying, Are not all these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we hear each of us his own native language? Parthians and Medes and Elamites and <clears throat> residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene and visitors from Rome both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabians, we hear them telling in our own tongues the mighty works of God, and all were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, What does this mean? But others mocking said, They are filled with new wine. But Peter, standing with the eleven, lifted up his voice and addressed them, Men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you, and give ear to my words, for these people are not drunk as you suppose, since it is only the third hour of the day. But this is what was uttered through the prophet Joel. And in the last days it shall be, God declares, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams even on my male servants and female servants. In those days I will pour out my spirit, and they shall prophesy. And I will show wonders in the heavens above, and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and vapor of smoke. The sun shall be turned to darkness, and the moon to blood, before the day of the Lord comes, the great and magnificent day. And it shall come to pass that everyone who calls on the name of the calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. This is the word of the Lord. 
Thanks be to God. The next song I am going to play for you all is Christ Jesus Lay Lay in Death's Strong Band.
All right, so the the reading that I'm going to focus on that's going to fit into this overarching theme is taken from Ezekiel 37, verses 1 through 14. It says, The hand of the Lord was upon me, and he brought me out in the spirit of the Lord and set me down in the middle of the valley. It was full of bones. And he led me around among them, and behold, there were very many on the surface of the valley. And behold, they were very dry. <clears throat> and he said to me, Son of man, can these bones live? And I answered, O Lord God, you know. Then he said to me, Prophesy over these bones and say to them, O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God to these bones, Behold, I will cause breath to enter you, and you shall live. And I will lay sinews upon you, and will cause flesh to come upon you, and cover you with skin, and put breath in you, and you shall live, and you shall know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I was commanded, and as I prophesied, there was a sound, and behold, a rattling. And the bones came together, bone to its bone, and I looked, and behold, there were sinews on them, and flesh had come upon them, and skin had covered them, but there was no breath in them. Then he said to me, Prophesy to the breath, prophesy, son of man, and say to the breath, Thus says the Lord God, Come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe on these slain, that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me, and the breath came into them, and they lived and stood on their feet an exceedingly great army. Then he said to me, Son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. Behold, they say, our bones are dried up, and our hope is lost. We are indeed cut off. Therefore prophesy and say to them, Thus says the Lord God, Behold, I will open your graves and raise you from your graves, O my people. And I will bring you into the land of Israel, and you shall know that I am the Lord, when I open your graves and raise you from your graves, O my people. And I will put my spirit within you, and you shall live, and will place you in your own land. Then you shall know that I am the Lord. I have spoken, and I will do it, declares the Lord. That is the text. Grace, peace, and mercy to you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. As I mentioned at the beginning of this recording, this is the kind of the walking dead version of the sermon that I will normally preach this weekend. And the reason is, is well, I'm a pretty big fan of the show, The Walking Dead, on AMC. And... To understand where I'm going with this, we have to, I have to give you a little backstory as to what is The Walking Dead. So The Walking Dead is a story, it begins with this um, sheriff, or this deputy, sorry, this deputy in Georgia, who he's out dealing with a, uh, he gets shot at one point, he ends up in a coma, and he's in a coma for a certain amount of time, and when he wakes up, he wakes up to the world in the midst of the zombie apocalypse. And so he's, there's all these, you know, the walking dead, the, the zombies are, you know, all over the earth and everything. And so he's trying, he tries to find, track down his wife and his child and his son and things like that. Well, 
as the show progresses, you begin. He meets all these different people, these different characters, and there's certain things that begin to get revealed. And one thing that gets revealed at the very end of the first season is there's this something that is whispered to Rick. He's the main character. He's it's something that's whispered to him by a scientist, and we don't find out until the second season of the series. What was whispered into his ear? And it was, what was whispered into his ear is that everyone was infected. Every human being was infected with the disease that caused the zombieism. So in other words, even if you were to die from a really, really bad cold or something, you would come back as a, as the walking, as a zombie, all right? That is what was revealed to Rick. Throughout the court, and so, and the thing is, you so you see in the series something that this this very peculiar thing that people begin to question. So who the the title of the show? It's called The Walking Dead. The it's and it's based on of a graphic novel, by the way. But the graphic novel, the TV show, it's called The Walking Dead. Who does that title refer to? Who is the Walking Dead? Is it the zombies? Or is it the normal living people? And as the show has progressed, what I've become more and more... I realized this the other day. Is that... Think about it. Is that everyone on the show is the Walking Dead. Whether it be the normal living or the zombies, they are all... The living dead. And so because they are all that, they are living in this state. And the thing is that you, the characteristic of the walking dead in this world, because the whole show, every, the structures, the infrastructure of our world that we take for granted is completely collapsed all around them. And you see the way people are. The walking dead when they are freed from the constraints of the world, how do they live? They live for nothing but themselves. All they are living for is their desires, their survival. They're trying anything and everything they can do to keep from being as bad as the others. And they will do, go to selfish lengths in order to do that. Even Rick, who's a character who at the beginning of the series is a pretty good guy, it seems, by now, you know, now they're in the eighth season, he does some really questionable things to other people. And so, what does this have to do with the text I just read? And I have to say, a lot. Because in this text, we have this vision that Ezekiel is given. Ezekiel see, is in this valley, and he sees a valley full of dry bones. And he's told to prophesy over them. See, I can't help but think, that, see, we, I want to think of how much we are, the, we Ultimately, what you have to realize is that we are those bones. We are the walking dead in this world. 
And the thing is, is that as we are the walking dead in this world, we the only thing we ever really think about is we are like those dry bones, like those zombies, like the characters in that show. All we really think about is me, 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 me. I think of that, there's a book I've been reading, and the title of the book is called um, Echo. It's written by Pastor Jonathan Fisk. Um, he's a pastor in Rockford, Illinois. And it's a really, really good book. I really, really encourage that you go on to Google, or not Google, but Amazon. Go find the book, purchase it, or on Concordia Publishing House's website, wherever, and just pick up the book and read it. It is a very, very good book. But anyways, in the first chapter, there is this really great quote. He says, and I'm kind of paraphrasing here, because I don't have the book on me at the moment. But it says that no matter how much you say you believe in God, the truth is, is that you don't like it. Because acknowledging that there is a God means that you are not Him. You are not God. And so, this is something we hate. And we hate to acknowledge the fact that we are not God. We Because the thing is, is I mean, that is everything in our desires, in our lives. We do anything and everything we can to try to get the attention, keep the attention on ourselves, to get to the idea that maybe that we are really our own God. We are a God unto ourselves. We want so badly to convince ourselves of this. I mean, this is really why in the 1800s, why there's this big push for things like evolution, things like... Um, you know, the writings of Friedrich Nietzsche who says God is dead. This is why the big push, because if we can convince ourselves that there is no God, then just that means that I can become a God unto myself. Well, the problems happen. The thing that keeps us from totally caving into that idea, giving into the idea that there is no God, is because we look at the TV like what was on the news today, the shooting down in Texas, another school shooting. We look at those shootings and we don't sit there and go, oh, well, well that, that sucked. Huh. Sucks for them. We don't do that. We, we grieve. We, we're anguished over it. Because we, and there's going to be, I guarantee it, right now there is fighting in discussions, again, about gun, gun control. And there might be protests over the summer about it. And the reason is, is because in because we know that it's wrong. But the very fact that we are acknowledging that this is an evil, horrendous thing is kind of an acknowledgement that there is a God. So when we get to that point that when we realize there is a God, we will still do anything and everything in our power to still make it about us to make give ourselves something and so what we do is we try to we think that we could approach god we could reach god sometimes we do this by making god less than he is we try to understand him and comprehend him and think that if we could bring god to us then you know the closer god is to us then in our mind we think hey i'm not that far off from god when in reality 
The distance between us and God is of cosmic distance. It is beyond measure. And even beyond between us is a brick wall. And we convince ourselves that we can get through that wall. We think if we just have the right emotions, the right feelings, the right attitudes, then I can just plow through that wall. Or we think if we just pull up our bootstraps, maybe we just work out a bit and we just do whatever we need to do certain things here and there we could go through the wall so we think that we could be good enough we want to give glory to ourselves we try so hard and all of it amounts to us trying to make ourselves God to be our God unto ourselves and this is I mean, this gets reflected on Sunday morning. Why doesn't a person go to church? Or the complaints that you hear in church, they say, well, I don't really like the service time. Well, I don't really like that preaching style. Or I don't like that style of music. Because the thing is, what what we're ultimately saying in each and every single one of those statements is it's all about me, 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 me. And not about God, whom it should be about. See, all of this is the point to the fact that we are dead men walking. The point to the fact that we are the walking dead. We are this valley of dry bones. Now, if you've seen the show The Walking Dead, you watch those zombies, and the more and more you go through the series, you begin to realize that the only thing that could ever bring an end to the zombie apocalypse is going to be an act of God, and in this case, it would be the act of the writers. I mean, you look at those zombies, I mean, you wouldn't even want to give a cure to some of them. I mean, their flesh and everything is so torn apart, they're just bare, almost just bones. You know, it's going to take a miracle to make them even presentable. Just as these Valley of Dry Bones, it would take a miracle to bring them. It'll take an act of God to do something about this, to change the status of them. But what did Ezekiel do? He prophesied over them. Now, I want you to understand, when you read that word prophesy, it does not always mean predicting the future. In this case, prophesy means to preach. And so basically what he is doing, he is preaching, proclaiming, declaring the word of the Lord. And as he proclaims the word of the Lord over these bones, they have life. Just as we read in the reading, and you heard that reading from Acts, the Apostle Peter, he stood over the people of Israel. He stood over them, and he says, he gave a whole spiel, and eventually gets to verse 36, and he says, Let all the house of Israel therefore know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucified there he's he is calling them the dead he is calling he is pointing to them as the valley of dry bones 
But by that word, by that declaration, that proclamation of God's law in the full thrust of it, it's almost as if that skin was coming over and their body was becoming whole. But the thing is, is they still didn't have breath. They still didn't have life. They have a body, but they're not quite there. So he says, so it says, Now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? And Peter said to them, he, this is what we call the gospel. He said to them, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off. Everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. And with many other words he bore witness and continued to exhort them, saying, Save yourselves from this crooked generation. So those who received his word were baptized, and there were added that day about three thousand souls. Three thousand, that is an army. An army that upon who when they stood before Peter, a very crowd that only many days earlier had shouted, crucify him, crucify him. On this day, Peter proclaimed the law and they were cut to the heart and he proclaimed the gospel and they were baptized and they received life and they became alive. So also, we, the walking dead, walk through this world in our sinful nature. We walk dead. And it literally would take, takes an act of God to give us life, to change our situation, to change our condition. And so... The day came that the pastor spoke over you. I baptize you in the name of the... F he spoke over you, your dry bones, your rotting flesh. He said, I baptize you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. And the Holy Spirit breathed into you and you received life. But you see, in this world, as we struggle with our sinful nature, that death, that decay, keeps trying to creep its way in, to overcome your heart and turn it into dust, and to be nothing, to become lifeless once again. And so we, time again, we again and again come to hear the proclamation of the word of the Lord, just as Ezekiel preached over those dry bones, just as Peter preached over that crowd, we keep coming again and again to hear that word. And each time we hear that word, we receive strength, we receive life. These dry bones become alive. And indeed, the day shall come when we will literally be dried up bones lying in a cast in a grave somewhere and jesus himself will be the one walking through that yard walking wherever you may be 
and he himself will preach his word to you. He will say, O child of mine, wake up, and you in your dry bones will rise up a mighty army, perfected and beautiful and wondrous. That's, by the way, is what Pentecost is about. See, we are dead. We can't do anything for ourselves. We are powerless to save ourselves. We are bones. We are the walking dead. Walking around. Only think about me, myself, and I. The only way you could ever be redeemed, the only way you could ever be saved, is by an act of God himself. And so, through pastors, teachers, he declares his word. He declares that Jesus Christ suffered, died on the cross, was buried, and rose from the dead on the third day. That he ascended into heaven and he did this all for you. That your sin may be defeated. That death may de- that the death, death may be defeated. That the devil may be defeated. And so that you may have eternal life. And as you hear that word proclaimed in its fullness every single time. Your dry bones become life. See, in this world we are dead men walking, but by the power of God's word, we are truly alive, living, and one day we will live as we have never lived before, in perfected, beautiful, glorified bodies. In Jesus' name, Amen. The grace, peace, and mercy of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ keep you in the one true faith and a life everlasting. Amen. So that was my recording of a special Walking Dead version of my Pentecost sermon. And so I leave you with the hymn, Jesus Has Come and Brings Pleasure Eternal.